0: Welcome to the Performance Health Podcast. My name is Tim Karen. Today we're going to be talking about practical for the cardiovascular system. We're going to dive into a big metric called VO2max. We're going to tie it into blood pressure, heart rate, resting heart rate, heart rate reserve, heart rate recovery, HRV or heart rate variability. All these things are interchangeable in my opinion, but also too really informative. And it goes into this big metric of how do we govern ourselves. So hope you guys enjoy this. Make sure you check out the module because there's a lot of cool graphics, a lot of (coughs) VO2max setups in there as well as check out the check out our social everything up because we got a book coming out hopefully you guys are ready for that i think it's going to be a really good book and resource for you guys to dive into appreciate all the support and as always we'll see you guys on the other side so just a quick recap of what we talked about in principles the the individual units involved with the cardiovascular system the heart the lungs and you can even go a little bit further the vagal nerve. SA node, heart, lungs, arterial system, capillary system, venous system are really just trying to move oxygen throughout the body to help allow the body to do what it's supposed to do. Right? From a parasympathetic or autonomic function to a sympathetic and really looking at it from the level of what we want to do in training and sport. So what do we want to really look at is how good or adept is the body at moving oxygen around? And we can kind of tie this into this, this metric that we use a lot in more endurance athletes. And it's called VO2 max. And I'm sure you're very familiar with it. But when we think about VO2 max, we can actually think about that as a mechanism to assess potential risk for heart disease. Not only is it used for, okay, what is the actual endurance potential for an athlete, we can look at it as potential risk factor for someone who might be at higher risk for cardiovascular disease, Rob tie metabolic syndrome as well into that. But we can look at VO2 max simply as the body's ability to transport oxygen efficiently or inefficiently. If I utilize oxygen at a localized area, my body is probably going to be able to go longer right? So if I have a higher VO2 max, and we kind of give you some ranges on this, but if we're thinking about, all right, people with a higher VO2 max, we can start to assess what is elite all the way down to uh, what is really below average. And we're starting to think, all right, anyone over the 60 range, I mean, you see some elite level like athletes getting into the 70s and 80s, you know, we can start to see, okay, that person's really good at, transporting and utilizing oxygen at a local muscular area and what does that really mean right what is that relative to right what does that actually matter for again going back into our principles of the cardiovascular system it matters a great deal you know and I think as we start to get you know this view of the cardiovascular system it's important until it's it's not important until it's important when we start to have disease or injury you know same thing we always talk about when someone loses something, it becomes more valuable. You know, that idea of variability, that idea of duality, that these, these concepts are hopefully reminding us that our myopic focus on what's going to change someone's performance is the first and direct area I want to kind of zero in on, but on the other end, it's this self-limiting type approach that is going to cause these downstream effects. And there's some really good resources out there, again, looking at cardiovascular training and, and endurance training. Um, Laura running is a really good one. And it goes on this idea of central governor. And I'm going to go on a little rant here, but one of the things that we find with Timothy Noakes' perception of, of central governor is this idea that it's, it's environmental just as much as it is this genetic predetermined thing that what we do repeatedly creates this response from a governor's perspective. And we see this time and time again with athletes that are doing high-level glycolytic work. And you look at it from, let's break down what glycolytic work means on a cardiovascular system. So it's anaerobic. It's before that anaerobic threshold because I want to utilize glycolysis as a mechanism to create energy, right? So going through glycolysis, goes through the set goes through all the pathways in there and then it gets to the end result of either entering the mitochondria or getting converted as pyruvate to acetyl CoA or it goes into lactate and enters through other medium carboxylate transporter systems or goes through the liver, goes through the Cori cycle and we either use it as energy or we don't. And it's that accumulation of hydrogen ions which we can look at is really the function of lactate dehydrogenase to convert really this last step of that glucose molecule going all the way through the steps of glycolysis into pyruvate and then lactate, because we can't handle all this. It's it's a buffering agent. It basically removes excess amounts of NAD and NADH through this lactate dehydrogenase enzyme to help handle all this excess hydrogen accumulation in the cytosol. And we start to look at that. What is the response to when I start to produce more hydrogen? My body perceives I need more blood to get more oxygen to the peripheral. So it beats faster and it beats faster. The faster it beats, the less stroke volume we have in that left ventricular area. So that relaxation phase that we're supposed to get from the right ventricular area, so that right ventricular contraction creates that vortice going through the right ventricle to the left atrium down to the left ventricle that relaxation phase where it's this last big effort to get all of that blood from the left ventricle space into the lungs to get oxygen attached to hemoglobin to circulate around the system. The less time we have to diffuse oxygen into that hemoglobin because we're beating more and the less blood we have or hemoglobin to do that means less blood delivered to the peripheral. And in response to that, the heart beats faster. In response to that, the heart doesn't relax as much as it should in between bouts of anaerobic work because it needs to compensate for the lack of oxygen at the local local muscular area. And as well as, it needs to adapt and respond to removing of this excess byproducts, phosphate, CO2, hydrogen ions through lactate. You know, all these things are the byproduct of Okay, we have a high, high workload and we start to see that the body responds to that. And what is the response to this going forward? Let's say I do it again tomorrow. Let's say I do it again the day after that. And let's say over time, my body now creates this, hey, I can't handle this much fatigue in an already fatigued state. So what it does is it lowers the potential that you can give in terms of work. That it safeguards you, that your vagal vagal nerve starts to lower the potential output you do to the heart and the SA node because it won't surpass a certain beats per minute because it knows it can't recover in time. You are training yourself in an incompletely recovered mindset that organically starts to respond by lowering your governor. What Noakes will talk about is if there is such thing as no pacemaker that your, your body doesn't organically know the pace it can sustainably go through training, or lack thereof, why is it that when people have a marathon their last quarter is faster than their, their middle quarter mile? If we <coughs> de- depleted all energy, so glycogen's depleted, that we've burned through pretty much all of our fuel reserves in terms of fat storage, we start to go into protein, how is it that we have a late kick? How? When you're in a competitive situation, how is it that we can finish faster than we started? That's a great question. And over time, we can detrain that to the point where we lower that governor through excessive glycolytic or anaerobic work, and we can't deliver oxygen as efficiently, so we have to compensate by raising our heart rate, and we have to compensate by lowering the potential that we go in terms of a ceiling, because we know we can't recover in time. We are training ourselves knowing that we can't recover. We're training ourselves to lower our governor. And so when you see folks that are training every day doing excessive glycolytic stuff, which if you really break it down, that's what bodybuilding is. That's why some of these folks have really good body compositions. If you had to me tell me someone, hey, I really want to get to a certain aesthetic lean muscle mass wise, I would say, yeah, go thirty to forty-five seconds of continuous work with enough intensity to create tension, to create this threshold, to create more cross-sectional muscle area. That's what I would tell you to do. In a- and to be honest, orthopedically and biomechanically, I'd probably tell you to choose something really simple, not something very complex and intricate. But if I look at it from the context of the same mechanism that we increase lean muscle mass for bodybuilders, is the same thing that we're doing for quote-unquote high-intensity interval training, just with something that at a very low intensity that we can do a little bit faster. It's the same basic structure. This is why time under tension or duration of a bout of exercise is so important. The duration of it is what matters, not the reps, it's the duration and the rest subsequently related to that duration of output of work or input of work. And that changes what we can perceive and do over time. And you'll see folks with really, really high amounts of high-intensity interval training make huge changes in their VO2 max. Again, VO2 max is our body's efficiency at using oxygen at a local muscular area or not based off of what my system, from my heart to my lungs to my arterial to my capillary to my venous system can do. We'll make huge improvements early and then it flatlines and actually declines. This is us lowering our governor. That excessive glycolytic work or high-intensity interval sprinting leads to a detraining effect for VO2 max. For sedentary, detrained populations, huge spike, and then plateau, and then start to decline because they can't adapt to it. They start to negatively adapt. And we see this form in terms of hypertrophy of the left ventricular wall. We see less capillary density on the local muscular area. We see less mitochondrial efficiency, less mitochondrial function. And you see this overly sympathetic person with a high resting heart rate, low HRV, low VO a declining VO2 max. Isn't that the same thing as someone who's over time, over time now at risk for cardiovascular disease? That they're overweight and have to move their body and have to exert a lot of effort to move their body a certain distance. There's a lot of strain and stress on their heart. And over time, they start to decline in their function and start to limit their potential output. And all of a sudden now are not as efficient as they once were, wow. Wow, hopefully this is resonating and why, why this cardiovascular system for helping someone to improve their body composition is so, so important. Or helping someone perform at a higher level. Or just being more engaged with the process that there's a point of diminishing returns from anything we do, but there's certain things that are gonna to get to faster rates of diminishing returns, relatively speaking. So the end result is we need to be conscious of things like resting heart rate, things like VO2 max, things like HRV, regardless of if I want to lose weight, gain weight, run faster, jump higher, or go further. Bottom line is that the cardiovascular system, along with all the other systems from a a immune system, nervous system, endocrine system standpoint, all have a role in changing someone's performance. And if we don't understand that, we're going to really struggle to make these changes that we want on a large scale basis. So let's go a little bit deeper into this. Let's look at now what we talked about before of the arterial system and looking at the VO2 max, relatively speaking, to what we're trying to get from this idea of of heart rate and blood pressure and all these other variables associated with. So there's a really cool study by Swanda in 1993, actually described VO2 max as the correlated to hypertension. And what we can look at as hypertension is basically a blockage or some sort of excessive amount of pressure. And we talked about the analogy of a truck driver trying to deliver blood to the peripheral and not getting enough goods on the truck to be able to live that and not enough time to get the stuff out of back on the truck to remove, to bring back to the heart can kind of look at it the same way as being in a traffic jam. That hemoglobin's trying to move and then there's just a lot of blockage, so it's a lot of cars on a one-way road and there's, the road's getting smaller and smaller, so we start to get more and more backed up. And you start to look at it, these natural turns on a highway are, are actually intended to slow you down. Same thing with the vascular system, that we want to control the flow of blood circulating through the system, so we do a lot of turns, a lot of capillaries, a lot of things to diminish the pressure Right, these are all pressure releases. When we start to accumulate high pressure, high systolic, so that's a contraction, and high diastolic, that's a relaxation phase. We start to decrease VO2 max, and what Swanda called as the heart rate reserve, the difference between resting heart rate and maximum heart rate. So, traditionally speaking, the numerical value we use to determine your max heart rate is two twenty minus your age, and what you look at is your resting heart rate, is your heart rate when you wake up. And you just take the difference. So for instance, myself, I am 41 years old. So 220 minus my age, that would be my max heart rate of 179. And traditionally, and this isn't a, a humble brag at all, my resting heart rate's anywhere from 45 to 50. So you look at my heart rate reserve, let's just say it's 50. So 179, we we'll just round up to 180, minus 50. My heart rate reserve is 130. That's a big bandwidth to work with. Right, so I can function between those beats per minute really well. Let's start to look at it if I'm older. So let's say I'm 60. So 220 minus my age. Now my, heart, my max heart rate's 160. Let's say my resting heart rate is 80. Now I'm working from 130 down to 80 beats per minute. My heart rate reserved is just consolidating. Isn't that the same as HRV? And HRV is the time between beats per minute, so in milliseconds. So the more time between beats per minute on average, the higher your HRV. The same thing can be said is I'm working on a more macro, everything's fractal. I'm working on a more macro level and looking at the heart rate reserve and we can tie that to your VO2 max. So the smaller my heart rate reserve, the small, lower my VO2 max and the less efficient I am, the higher the risk for cardiovascular disease or hypertension. Hopefully this is sitting in, right? And then thinking about it, I want to help that person body compositionally wise. Okay, I'm going to lower their caloric intake. I'm going to increase their ex- exercise expenditure. Okay, those are two pretty good gold standard ways to improve someone's body composition. But we find out their heart rate reserve is sub 100. We find out their VO2 max is sub 30. We find out their HRV is sub 30. We find out their resting heart rate is 70, 80. We find out their diastolic or their systolic blood pressure is 140. We find out their diastolic blood pressure is over over 90. Now we start to see some serious lowered governor to what I want to do. I want to improve that person's cardiovascular fitness. If I want to improve their function, I can do some strength training with them. Yes, but that's not going to improve the needle to getting a larger heart rate reserve, a higher VO2 max, a larger a larger heart rate variability or higher heart rate variability and a lower heart rate a resting heart rate. Bottom line is if I want to improve someone's body composition, and we're going to go another level here, we're going to talk about this from the concept of if I want to improve that person's anaerobic capacity, and that's their ability to recover between beats. We're going to look at heart rate recovery. Anyone who can recover between a maximal exertion, 50 beats plus per minute, meaning that if I reach my max heart rate, let's just say it's 180, I want to be able to get down to 130 and below within a minute. And if I can't, I'm detrained or I'm I'm overly sympathetic. I probably have a low VO2 max. Again, anaerobic capacity, body composition, all these things are, intermittently, are interchangeable with really what we're trying to do from the cardiovascular system. But then we can go on a little bit other level, like, right? So we can look at, all right, how do we determine what is really functioning at the local muscular level? And another article that we, we focused on within the uh, module is this idea that there's a linear relationship between VO2 max and capillary density. So who cares? about anything else, but as if I'm delivering oxygen-rich blood to the peripheral to help myself recover between these bouts and how do I determine that? If I have a higher VO2 max, that probably means I'm delivering more oxygen-rich blood in general. And it probably means I have more capillary to really function off that. And there is another interchangeable thing. This is what Joel Jameson talks about with more elastic left ventricular wall, meaning it's not as hypertrophy, it's not a stick. It's not as much of a a built-up muscle because it's contracting and relaxing so much, just like I would do on a bicep. I contract and relax. I get more time under tension, more intensity, more tension. That wall or that muscle tissue hypertrophies, just like that in the left ventricular wall, the lower my stroke volume, the less blood and less oxygen delivered per blood and less need for capillary density. So again, VO2 max, stroke volume, left ventricular wall, elasticity and pliability greater capillary density, more oxygen delivered to the peripheral. Better recovery, greater CO2 removal, greater fat utilization during the workout, right? If we want to improve lipolysis and beta-oxidation, oxidation in there, we need oxygen. You want to burn fat? Learn how to become more efficient cardiovascular. Facts, bottom line. So if I start to... If I start to build out in that direction, I need to really set up this framework of, we can't move forward until we develop this system in a really robust manner. We can go back into now, looking at the blood pressure again, is if I have high blood pressure, that's gonna be a problem for really developing cardiovascular fitness. And it could be a plaque overgrowth, you know, so we can look at all right, there's high amounts of LDL or low density lipoproteins. There's high amounts of which is more problematic really of very low high very low density lipoproteins. And that accumulation of plaque on that arterial wall is creating a blockage. That's the traffic jam. Hemoglobin's got to go through, starts to coagulate, doesn't really push through as much. We need a higher beat per minute. We need a high pressure to create that robust contraction, we create more of this downstream effect. The answer is lower your blood pressure through more parasympathetic and more low and slow cardiovascular work. There's another really cool principle here, and this is something that, again, I pulled from Bill Hartman, the whole idea of the heart vortice and everything fractal. So if I look at it from what's true on the micro level, it's going to be true on the macro level. But this idea of Bernoulli's principle explains how pressure is accounted for when we change the diameter of the container. So, if it's a wider container, I'm going to need more force because it takes up the form of that container. If it's a smaller container, it's going to create more velocity. So if I have a wide container, I'm going to need a very slow and powerful beat to fill up and create a lot of negative pressure in that left ventricular wall to pump oxygen-rich blood. So a wide diameter artery is going to be a really important step to allow for blood to diffuse, or oxygen to diffuse onto the blood in that lung, and then transfer throughout my body. And this creates this amazing thought process. Same thing happens in our body, right? So if I look at my thorax relative to my pelvis, if I have a very wide thorax, I'm gonna have to create a lot of force to drive that diaphragm, or contract that diaphragm and pull it down. So as I start to build out what I wanna do with people, I need to associate, all right, let me build out what I'm doing, an arterial system, a heart system, to get to this outcome that I want for my athletes and clients oxygen is important to deliver to the peripheral make sure you don't have blockage make sure you have a really good blood pressure to get that to the outcome that you want and we'll have better diffusion from the lungs to the hemoglobin to the actual peripheral we'll have higher stroke volume we'll have better capillary density and then we can go all the way back to do we have a higher vo2 max it's kind of all interchangeable when we're looking at all these metrics you can kind of use one to extrapolate from the other but it's better to have all this in into uh what you're trying to do and then I kind of went through some, uh, some different articles looking at Erano and left uh, correlation between blood pressure and left ventricular wall hypertrophy. The evidence is there. It's true. It's absolutely happening. Um, P. Grizzetti in 2005 described advantage of, of blood moving in a vortex like manner in the heart creates less mechanical energy or mechanical need and more output. Right, So the more we can fill up that left ventricular wall, the more negative pressure we create and the less actual beats we need to do. Less beats, better function, better outcomes. And then we could go back all the way to this governor concept. If I don't need as much beats to accomplish the same task, my body doesn't organically need to lower the governor to compensate. That I'm more cardiovascular fit, that I have a higher VO2 max, that I have a higher heart rate reserve that I have a lower resting heart rate. I have a higher potential heart rate max. It's not 100% determined that we're gonna be 220 minus age. The more trained we are, the more balanced we are, the more higher our VO2 max, the higher that potential max heart rate is. What we look at that is that max heart rate is for people who don't exercise. So why would we lower our standard to that, right? Why am I 41 and I need to say arbitrarily that I need to be at 179 beats per minute and below? That if I'm trained and if I'm healthy, that I have a really ro- lo- good low resting heart rate and a really good HRV and low diastolic blood pressure, which remember is the relaxation part, which is a really big indicator of how efficient my system is, why would I say I need to stop at 179? I could easily get 200. And we're looking at performance. I wanna go anaerobic, I wanna go power, I wanna go speed. I wanna get to these high heart rates. I wanna get to 200 beats a minute and be able to recover within a minute. That's how we get more capacity. That's how we get more effort. That's how we get more outcome. You think about it more on a more intra-workout to an inter-workout perspective. If I'm recovering faster intra-workout, I'm recovering faster inter-workout. So if I can get more density in a session, I'm going to be able to get more density within a microcycle, and more density within a mac- a mesocycle, more density within a macrocycle. Then my ability to recover from a cardiovascular system that's really adept and really developed is going to allow me to do more safer. Allow me to do more and more efficiently. Allow me to do more and more effectively. That fatigue and that governor is not lowering myself down. And I, I don't know if you guys follow, but I think a really good resource is Peter Tia. I mean, he's got a huge following, so I'm sure you should. But you know, this idea too of like, not becoming so overly myopically focused at uh, this idea of cholesterol. And we can look at the cardiovascular system to deliver oxygen and remove carbon dioxide is kind of overshadowed by you know, the myopic view of cholesterol and how that's going to limit our ability to function. Um, you know, we can look at cholesterol and look at uh, ratio of HDL to LDL and we can look at VLDL accumulation. But it still doesn't change the fact that we have a pretty good marker of blood pressure, resting heart rate, HRV, and VO2 max. And you should know what your cholesterol levels are and it should be, it should be affirming of what you know from your blood pressure and that. So just do blood work, obviously go through that, but we can get this like, We can throw the baby out with the bathwater by just focusing on cholesterol and having a high number and where a low number is actually a higher risk factor. But the other side of it is what's your blood pressure, what's your resting heart rate, what's your HRV? These are all readily available things that we can understand right now without much effort, without much investment, without much of anything other than just looking at it on a more recurring basis. Developing that and responding to that and creating this, this idea of like oxygen and delivery of oxygen and removal of waste products like hydrogen and carbon dioxide are really important. So, wrapping this up all in a nice bow, you know, we're going to really look at the cardiovascular system is the removing of oxygen and removal of CO2, the heart, the lungs, the arterial system, the capillary system, the venous system, the vagal nerve, all that stuff. The testing, we can look at VO2 max, we can look at heart rate reserve, we can look at heart rate recovery, we can look at heart, resting heart rate, HRV, we can look at all of these things, we can look at them all combined. And what this is essentially telling us is do I deliver oxygen efficiently and remove CO2 efficiently, yes or no. And if I can't, what is the compensation? Lower VO2 max, okay, that's the outcome measure. What is my heart rate? Well, do I need to have more beats per minute to get more blood to the peripheral because I can't adapt to the rising tide of, need of exercise need of oxygen to the peripheral, okay? Let me go from there and let me adjust, and let me move things in the right direction off of that. So I hope all that stuff is making sense. Make sure you check out next week, I got a case study. I'm gonna go through a, a military athlete I coach uh, and to be honest, it's not an easy challenge and I uh, need to get them strong. I need to get them tough. They need to be really good in terms of combat, but they also need to be really relatively fit. So it's a cool thing to dive into. I got a ton of experience working military athletes. Um, and I think a lot of times we can look at it from the physiology thing. I got a good grasp on, but one of the biggest grasp I think I have with those athletes in particular is the psychology. I can just tell them straight, you know, like this matters, this doesn't. And, you know whether they choose to respond to that or not it really is a matter of the difference of them performing at a high level for all the standardized testing and hopefully hopefully coming home safe and that's a big weight for me and i think that's something i really think about conscientiously of you know what what i'm doing with these athletes from a performance perspective is is hopefully saving their life and them for their family um and that's a big burden but also too i think there's some really good things to talk about in terms of physiology and looking at their cardiovascular function all right guys appreciate your time hope you guys enjoyed this uh stay tuned we got all our stuff coming out with the book here so pre-order should be available if not if it's not already available to so get on that and then uh as anyway always make sure you check out the module because it's got a lot of really cool stuff on there i appreciate you guys